And she goes to Paris and she's on the phone with him. And as she's on the phone, she gets taken. They get kidnapped. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. You, for the rest of the episode, you're only allowed three more Liam Neesons. Okay? (laughs) I'm limiting you to three. I think think this is a kind of restriction upon me that I will fight. (laughs) Okay? And it will not... It will... This... You can say I have three? I don't. I have considerably more. Hello, and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. So today we're going to talk about Taken. Yes, you will listen. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Neither was I. Um, as always, if you've got any questions or if you've got any topics or things you would like us to talk about, get in touch. Uh, the storytoolkit.wordpress.com uh, I would say is the best way to do that because you can fire an email through through the site um, or uh, at the story toolkit on Twitter. Also, two things really quickly. Um, one, thank you for listening as always. And two, if you're listening through iTunes or on your iPhone, uh, if you can take a couple of seconds just to drop us a quick review um, on uh, iTunes, that would be terrific because it helps us out. It would help us out. Are you going to do the whole episode in Liam Neeson? I'm tempted. <laughs> the entire episode is Liam Neeson from Taken. <laughs> I have a very particular set of skills, none of which I'm applying right now. I'm tempted to just let you roll with this and see how quickly you lose interest. I'm starting to. <laughs> so predictable. Uh, okay, Taken synopsis, go. Well, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, Taken is a film uh, about a man who meets a woman and he's quite taken with her at the end. Uh, Liam Neeson plays uh, uh, a character called Brian Mills and completely changes the course of his career as a result of playing this character. (laughs) Because now we can divide Liam Neeson's career into pre-Taken, where he's a serious actor, and post-Taken, where he is a cartoon. (laughs) And I love Liam Neeson, by the way. I absolutely adore Liam Neeson. And he's very good in Taken as well. So, <laughs> it's just funny. Because watching Love Actually after you've seen Taken is really funny. <laughs> because the scene at the end of Love Actually where his kid is running through US customs, you're thinking, why does Liam Neeson not just kill everyone? <laughs> you're watching The Phantom Menace and he says, I can only protect you. I can't fight a war for you. And you're thinking, yes, you can. <laughs> there is no way Darth Maul beats Qui-Gon Jinn. Like, this just doesn't happen. Darth Maul gets throat punched. <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn is probably handicapped by having a lightsaber. <laughs> it's just not necessary anymore. So, anyway, Liam Neeson's great. So the basic premise of the episode is, Liam Neeson, episode, the film, is, Liam Neeson is, an, is a guy who loves his daughter and his ex-wife has married someone really rich. And uh, he wants to do the nice thing for his daughter and everything. It's her birthday. And for her birthday, she's going to go to Paris and, uh, and uh, go like on a European tour with her best friend uh, with a band. She's going to watch this big band and they're just going to sort of go around Europe. And he's worried. It's like, you have to call me as soon as you get there. And every day you have to call me and all that stuff. And we know that he does some bodyguard stuff. And so he's a bit of um, 
he's like an ex-military guy and everything. And she goes to Paris and she's on the phone with him. And as she's on the phone, she gets taken. They get kidnapped. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. You, for the rest of the episode, you're only allowed three more Liam Neesons, okay? (laughs) I'm limiting you to three. I think think this is a kind of restriction upon me that I will fight. (laughs) Okay? And it will not... It will... This... You can say I have three... I don't. I have considerably more. But at the same time, I will try to be more responsible. Okay. But the compromise is, I won't be. But so, so anyway, so, so, he's on the, so he's on the phone to his daughter, and his daughter gets taken. Okay? It doesn't count. I don't know, I'm repeating what happened before. <laughs> right? And he he's on the phone with her, and these these guys come in, and they... Uh, they take her friend and she's telling her dad, Liam Neeson, what's going on. And she's like, you know, what do I do? Why do I do? And there's this, this wonderful bit where he goes, they're going to take you. Right? There's no way she can stop it from happening. She gets really scared. And he tells her, just describe everything to me. And so she's describing everything to me on the phone. Actually, that's a really good scene. Yeah, and she gets ta- This is why this series became a thing. It was yeah. the th- That was pretty much the only bit in the trailer and based on this, everyone went to see this. Yeah. And it was great. So she she gets she gets um she gets kidnapped and then the guy kidnaps her picks up the phone. We don't see him. And he's just breathing on the phone. And Liam Neeson just goes, I don't know what you want. Alright, I don't know who you are. What I know <laughs> you know. Uh, shall I do the whole speech? Do the whole speech. Okay. On. If you're looking for ransom, I don't have any money. But what I do have is a very particular set of skills. Skills that I have acquired over a long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. I will kill you. And the guy just goes, good luck. And hangs up. And that's the film. He then goes to, he has 72 hours to find her before she's lost forever in the slave, sex slave trafficking ring and he goes to France and he kills lots and lots of people he's incredibly brutal and savage and kills all the people and then saves his daughter and it's great and that that little I remember when I saw the trailer for this and I thought to myself hey this might be the Punisher movie that we will never otherwise get (laughs) Um, and so what happens is he goes to Paris and you just see him do things that you've never seen anyone do so straight away he manages to track down the guy at the airport who followed her home. And as soon as he gets him, he puts him into a cab, throat punches him and breaks one of his ribs. <laughs> right? Then his backup comes in to fight Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson throat punches him to death. The guy who used ribby brooks is running away. He chases after him and the guy gets killed accidentally uh, uh, because they're running in an airport and they get, he gets hit by a car. Then he goes to his friend in the police he manages to find a place where all the slave guys are and he walks in and it's brilliant. He pretends to be a corrupt cop that they have to pay money with and he's dealing with them and all that stuff. It's funny because he's clearly Irish and yet he's pretending to be a Parisian official. He <laughs> um, doesn't even change his accent. All the Albanians buy it and he knows one of the Albanians is Marco, the guy on the phone that said good luck. And he has written down a phrase in Albanian and he says and he, he, everyone is talking and he's not recognised any of their voices but one guy won't, hasn't talked and he so he just hands him the thing and goes can you translate this for me and he just goes 
And he goes, it says, good luck. Like that. And he goes, you don't remember me. And the guy just looks at him and goes, I told you I would find you. And I remember my jaw dropped because I thought, oh, he's found out who he is. He'll go back, come back and sort it out. No, he kills everyone right then and there. <laughs> right? And it's just amazing. He kills everyone. He's looking for his daughter. He takes Marco back to a place. He tortures him to death by electrocuting him. He, he puts these electrode things. He spikes metal into his legs and then electrocutes him by turning on a light switch. Turns it on, electrocutes him, turns it off. He's not being electrocuted until he gets the information. Once he gets the information, he goes, that's not going to save you. And he just leaves the light switch on to let him get tortured to death by electricity. Off he goes. Then uh, he he tries to find the next uh, uh, information. His, his, his policeman friend in France turns out to be corrupt. So he goes to his house and he shoots his wife in the arm and says, you're going to tell me what's going on or I'm going to kill your family. And you're like, Oh, he might actually do that. He might kill his family. He gets the information he needs, and then you get the the climax where he fights the guys. He gets uh, she gets sold to um, some sort of Arab type person. He gets onto the Arabs' boat, kills all the Arabs' men. The Arab is holds the daughter hostage with a knife to her throat, and Liam Neeson has a gun and he just shoots the Arab in the head and then takes his daughter home. That's the film. Okay. Um. So, what was it then you wanted to talk about today? So, what's interesting is that Liam Neeson's character, Brian Mills, has one dimension. And his dimension is, on the one hand, he is a loving father, kind of emasculated. And on the other hand, he is a brutal killer. That's the dimension that drives that whole story, right? Um, that how far is he willing to go to get his daughter back? And that nothing is going to stop him from getting his daughter back. That brutality is what sets this film apart. That's why people went to see it. I like your phrasing of the question, how far is he willing to go? Yeah, because when he says, you know, I will find you and I will kill you, <clears throat> you're like, is he actually going to find him? What's he going to do when he finds him? You want yeah. the whole thing. They spend 30 minutes. It takes 30 minutes to get to that scene. And it's only a 90 minute film. 30 minutes to get to the I'll find you scene. Yeah, I will right. find you. It's 30 minutes into the film. And then the, ne the next hour... It's 89 minutes, this film, something like that. Yeah. The next hour is him pursuing. So they really spend a lot of time motivating the fact that this guy uh, is somewhat emasculated. They really build that fur that dimension of his character, that he's just a normal, loving father who's a bit emasculated. And then once that comes in, it's like, that's all going to go. That's the motivation he needs to do all this brutal killing. Yeah. And he's going to do all this brutal killing. It's like, how brutal is he and you see him do things he has no time he has 72 hours to find it he has no time so when he finds Marco he doesn't go back and do the safe thing he just kills everyone in the room and takes Marco he doesn't wait yeah and you realise just how incredibly uh, brutal and and uh, lacking in any sort of hesitation this character has it's just great Okay, so you wanted to talk about the problem then. So there is a problem with Taken. There is a problem. Because why didn't Taken get work with Taken 2? Why didn't it work with Taken 3? And why... Importantly, and Even actually, the end of Taken is not very good. Importantly, with Taken itself... Now, you love Taken, don't you? I do. Yeah. The Taken did very, very little for me. The only time... I'd actually forgotten um, 
uh, pretty much the whole thing, other than the famous scene. Yeah. Other than the famous scene. Um, but when you were just describing it, you reminded me actually how great that scene is where yeah. she's on the phone. It, it really, the film falls apart after he kills Marco. Yeah. Um, and it's there's so much adrenaline, you don't mind so much the first time, but after more viewings, you start to go, oh, there's a problem here. Uh, now, in action, the book on action in the lecture, I, may, I point out one of the flaws of Taken, uh, which is to do with the villain and everything. Yeah. But that's not what I want to talk about here. Um, what I want to talk about specifically is um, the problem with... Even if you give uh, him a better villain, it doesn't really solve the problem completely. Yeah. Because there's two problems at stake. One's the villain, the other one is this. The other one is this, which is his character, which is the story design and the reason Taken 2 and Taken 3 don't work at all and why the ending specifically of Taken is a problem. See, the problem with the villain is a problem for the whole film. Okay? By the way, the problem with the villain basically is that (laughs) there's nothing stopping him from killing everyone. And so you see him kill everyone. (laughs) There's nothing stopping him. There's nothing stopping Liam Neeson. Yeah, you just he, he, like they go. Hey, here's the villain. To get your daughter, you'll have to kill me. He kills them. <laughs> like there's no, there's nothing really stopping him. Uh, so this is a problem from beginning to end of the film. That's the villain problem. The problem I'm going to talk about here, which is to do with character, is a problem specifically with the end of the film. And why Taken Two and Three don't work, which is. The film, he has this dimension. He's brutal and loving at the same time, right? The film's climax should be him at his most brutal. Right? His demen- the, the point of a story is the characters get put under more and more pressure and therefore reveal more and more about their true character as the story goes on. Okay? So if Mills is brutal... The climax should be him at the greatest pressure, and therefore he should be at his most brutal. He should be at his greatest pressure, he should be at his most loving, right? The problem is, the story doesn't do that. He's most brutal when he kills Marco, and then he's never anywhere close to being the brutal character he was at the beginning of the film. The 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 scene where he kills everyone after he finds out Marco is the guy at the table, that's those when are the highlights. Can we can we just clarify yeah. what you mean by brutality here? So, yeah, that's a good point. What do we mean by someone who is brutal? Uh, which is he has no regard for the other person's pain. Okay. Or rather, he uses their pain to get what he wants. Okay. So he's brutal in the sense he will just kill people hurt people without hesitation he is not interested in negotiating or being uh or or having finesse or intimidating or anything what's the first thing he's going to do he's going to break your ribs okay and punch you in the throat and then ask you a question and if you don't answer he'll break another one of your ribs that's the end of it he's going to stab you and put you in a chair and electrocute you if you don't give him what he wants he's going to kill you and then you give him what he wants and he's still kills you anyway because he doesn't care you made a problem you're done i'm going to kill every single one of you until i get what i want why is um as you see the reason i ask you to define brutality yeah. is <clears throat> why is the marco killing more brutal than him shooting the wife of somebody else who wants information she doesn't from? die he hurts her oh, okay 
shoots he, she, she, he shoots her in the arm to make the point. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't kill her. Do you Whereas know? Marco, he tortures this man to death. And after he gets what he wants, he just leaves him to die. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's it's much more brutal. Yeah, it was just... I, I wondered because the wife is innocent in this, right? The wife is innocent. Um, if he killed the wife, yeah. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, like, it's it's... It's not that it's not more brutal or anything like that. What it is is the Marco thing is very, very brutal. Then it pulls back a little bit. And he does that thing for her. And then you expect it to build back up and it never does. Sure, okay. So the the wife shooting scene is is like, whoa, I can't I can't believe he did that. That is brutal. Yeah. But it's a brutality we already know he has. Oh, so it comes after the torture scene. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm it comes after the torture scene. So we already know he's that brutal. So it's shocking. It's a and it's it's a really great scene. But at the same time, it's like we want him to go further than that. How know? did you not make that into a pun? How did you resist? What pun? Shocking. And killing Marco. Yeah. Oh, gee, that's the James Bond I pun. Did, yeah, but I didn't say he was. It, the killing of Marco was shocking. I said that. Oh, you were talking about the wife? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I tune in and out sometimes. Okay. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um, okay, so your, your point, it, he, he he is at his most brutal with Marco. <laughs> yes. And then it drops off yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Is there something you need to address? No, I'm just here? laughing at the whole shocking. I should, okay. I should have seen that. Um, okay, uh, so he's at his most brutal with Marco. Yeah. But... And also, he's humorous. That's a part, actually part of his brutality. It's not fun for him. Yeah. It's not like he's not McLean. He doesn't make shocking. He doesn't make those kind of jokes. And you imagine if he did that after he kills Marco, he just goes like, you know, he's he like what Marco goes like he's he's left in the chair, right? The light switches off, and he's like, you know, let me go. And he goes, that, I'm, I believe you, but that's not going to save you. And then he turns it on. Imagine if he turned around, shocking, <laughs> like it would just be. <laughs> He would seem less brutal. Right? I thought so because it came as part of your McLean sentence. I thought you were talking about McLean then. <laughs> you got me thinking about Brooklyn Nine Nine because part of uh, uh, the joy of Jake Peralta is that it, he loves John McLean, so he's always trying to die hard everything up. But uh, he's also got this great blind obsession where he needs to make a pun every time he, he does. Yeah, yeah. When, yeah. when he arrests people, and that was also a joke in Hot Fuzz. Yes, of course yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, Taken doesn't do that. Okay, <laughs> Taken does not make puns. Um, okay, so he's at his most brutal. Then yes, so yeah, the um, I, I I can't think whether you've made the point again. Um, oh, sorry, already in this episode, or whether it, it was off mic. But um, with Marco, you think that's not extreme enough. It's not that you don't think that's extreme enough. It's not the end of the film. Oh, I see. So, what's next? Right, shoots the wife. Great. What's next? And then you get to the final scene. And he just shoots the guy in the head. Yeah. And it's like, that's not brutal enough. Yeah. You haven't expressed the depths of this character because you told us there was more to come and then you didn't give it to us. Okay. Um, and uh, and immediately you can see that an ending would be much better. Imagine an ending where he has to be the most brutal he's ever been, but in front of his daughter. Right. Do you see immediately, like yeah, immediately, yeah, yeah, yeah. how much better an ending that becomes? <clears throat> yeah, how that puts that character in a situation that really expresses that character. Well, it collides the two, um, yeah. uh, the the, the um, 
the two uh, yeah. oh, crumbs. I can't, can't find the word, but uh, the dimensions. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it clarifies the dimension. Yeah, yeah. And it's it. The thing is, it doesn't actually have to be a crisis decision. It doesn't have to be like, oh, if I do this, my daughter will know how terrible I am. Like, I don't think that character would care. No, he wouldn't hesitate. No, but the point is, he putting him in that situation is what we want to see. Yeah, we want to see him being his most brutal in front of his daughter. Yeah. All this time he's been doing it and his daughter hasn't been in the room. But at the climax, we want to see him be do his most... So you need to create a situation where the only way he can save his daughter is by doing something more brutal than he's done so far. So his daughter can see that too. Okay? That would crystallize the film. And Taken 2 and Taken 3 both have the problem, which is the character isn't motivated to be brutal at all. Uh, bad things happen, but n- not things that require the level of brutality that we want this character to. And the thing about the brutality, by the way, I have to point out, is it's his dimension. It's not like a gratuitous thing where people are like, yeah, I want to see violence. It's like, no, no, the point of this character is the depths of brutality he's willing to go to save his daughter. Yeah. So, like, what, what, how, how monstrous will you be to save your children, right, is the point of Taken. So, Taken 2 and 3... That doesn't have it. Uh, there's one moment in Taken 3 which comes close. Which is the daughter has been kidnapped again. She's on a plane. That's again? about to, Yeah. <laughs> she, she, the plane's about to take off. And the only way you can stop her... Is it called Retaken? No. It's just called Taken 3. Three Taken? No. <laughs> it's just called Taken 3. Okay. <laughs> and he drives, he drives his car at the plane and knocks out the wheel on the plane. Right. So the plane can't take off as wow. it's going down the runway. It's it, that it, it's at the end of the film. It is the only good moment in the film. That's it. But that's like when that happened. I'm like, <gasps> he's back because <laughs> that isn't in Taken Two. There's no scene like that in Taken Two. Yeah. And in Taken Three, it's just at the very end that moment. But um, that's that's what we want from this character. And so the story isn't designed to express the depths of his dimensions. So how, and as I say, well, how, the, the fix would be put him in that situation that where he has to be brutal sure. in front of his daughter. I was going to say, how would you fix the sequels? Oh, they, they, they uh, time machine. <laughs> I I would stop and go. Do we really need a sequel to take? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we have to have a sequel to take. Okay. Um, who get who gets taken and taken two? He does. Oh, he gets taken. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Okay. Um, the 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 people he killed in Taken, their family, tries to take him, and his daughter kind of rescues him, and then he kills everyone, and it's just like okay, it's the cycle of revenge. It's like he killed our family, he killed our brothers, and our, like now we have to get take get him, and I'm just like, why are they taking him? Why don't they just kill him? Yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it's not very interesting because it doesn't it, it doesn't bring out anything about Brian Mills that's interesting. And then the third one is like a really bad version of The Fugitive. Um, it just doesn't work. I would think... A framed mo- for a taken that he didn't commit. Framed for the think. death of his wife, ex-wife oh, and all that stuff. And I, I would think like if you really... I mean, the problem with Taken is the second ep- film can't be he gets taken or she gets taken 
or anything like that. That's just that's ridiculous. How many times in one person's life can a person be taken? It just doesn't happen. Um, it would be much more interesting, I would think. He has these uh, characters in his backstory who are part of his uh, secret service type thing. Yeah, like yeah, I think it would be interesting for him to just be put on a mission with them. With the ex team, yeah, and something goes horribly wrong. I see, and okay. he has to be brutal to stop something bad, like it's to save somebody else. Sure. So you actually explore a different aspect of it. Yeah, life. I would think you just sit down and let's do something else with him because we exhausted the first one. Yeah, you can't just repeat it. It's the, and yet they tried. There um, you go. It it's it's the question of exhausting uh, a yeah. character when it, I didn't get the sense when I watched the first one that this was a world that was. Uh, rich enough that that would it, it would warrant or could warrant a sequel. It wasn't. It's not. No. You have to find something. The dim- the character's <clears throat> one dimension. Right. And it's very specific. You uh, the, uh, to create. I mean, the, the, you know, the characters are one or two dimensions. Batman, Superman, Columbo. You know, they all have multiple things. Yeah, but they have like as Batman is in as an example um, has a, a a very rich rogues gallery, right? Yeah, he does, and his dimensions aren't tied to a specific situation. Sure. So anything can bring them out. With this guy, he's a loving father. He's loving and he's brutal. You have to show who he's loving to. Yeah. And you have to create a situation where he's brutal. So the problem isn't say necessarily coming up with a criminal. The problem is is why is he going to the ends of the earth? To kill them. Yeah. And it's like he has a daughter and a wife. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So so what? You can't have the daughter captured again. You can't have something terrible happen to the wife because it would just be ridiculous. Die Hard 2 made a joke about the fact that it's a, die, a sequel. Yeah. You know? So and John the, McClane had two dimensions, right? Yeah. So you have this problem of how do you create a sequel for, for Taken that doesn't totally strain credulity. And they went, well, what if the people come for revenge after him? Yeah. And you go, uh, I don't care. If those characters, if those villains had been really interesting, maybe, but yeah. they weren't. And even if they were, you still have the problem of how does that express it as character? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's uh, the whole thing is a problem that I can't be bothered to solve. <laughs> Okay. I mean, like, you could maybe solve it. I don't care. Right. Forget it. Okay. More interesting. Well, I'd, I'd, I feel like you brought it up. Look, okay. the way I would suggest solving this <laughs> is to dump Taken and just get out the Garth Ennis Punisher Max series that I said, when I said, when I saw the trailer and I said, this is going to be the best Punisher film we'll ever get, I was kind of right. And at the same time, I feel like the solution is to just do the Punisher episodes that you didn't do. <laughs> okay? That was the most excellent and skillful segue you have ever done. It would have been if you didn't tell everyone. Oh, no, it. I felt like it was so good that I had to draw attention to it because otherwise you would have afterwards said, well, hey, remember that segue I did? And, yeah. they, and, the, and the listeners wouldn't have even known. No, screw you. I'm bringing you down with me. <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad. <laughs> great. Good. Okay, so Punisher. This is, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so Punisher. Uh, Garth Ennis, who is the writer of Preacher, the comic book. Yeah. And that's been turned into a, a good show that I'm enjoying at the moment. Um, I'm only three episodes in and I'm really liking it. Um, 
he wrote a series of Punisher comics, and uh, he then they, he wrote the Punisher for a while. Then Marvel did this thing called the Max line, which was these are comics that can swear R-rated comics essentially, mm-hmm. HBO comics. They can swear, do whatever they want. HBO comics. Yeah, there's no. They had a stamp on the front that said, you know, parental advisory. It's like no holds barred, whatever you want to do, and they let Garth Ennis take the Punisher into that imprint. And so one of the rules that came with that imprint is like the Punisher now cannot hang out with Spider-Man and Daredevil. <laughs> like we can't have those characters showing up in Max stories. Um, and they let Garth Ennis do what he wanted, and Garth Ennis just wrote sixty issues of brilliant, brilliant Punisher stories. When you were describing it, it just sounded I didn't think it was sixty. Issues. Sixty. Sixty. Wow. Each each storyline was six issues long. Yeah. So he did ten story arcs. Um. Uh, so that was like five years yeah five years of storytelling and it's excellent it's really excellent um and um so Garth Ennis did this Punisher series and uh he one of the series one of the stories uh around issue 30 or something so I'm guessing it would be if you looked on Amazon it would be the fifth trade or something it's called The Slavers and Punisher takes on a slave sex traffic ring just like uh, Taken did. This was years before Taken. This was like five, six years before Taken. So, um, uh, yeah, so when I saw the trailer for Taken, and I went, oh, this is... I meant literally, specifically, thinking of a very specific story arc of the Punisher. Yeah. This could be the Punisher film we were promised and we'll never get. Um, and the Slavers story is brilliant, because it's and it's the one I use in the lecture. It's the one I use in the in the action book as well. To explain in the action lecture, yeah, sure. I, it's the one I. It's the one. It's, I. I use this example of how they could have solved the big problem of the villain in the Taken story, right? Which is to do with the fact that the Punisher can't just kill everyone, yeah. Uh, because <clears throat> what the slavers do is they have a corrupt cop, and the corrupt cop creates a Punisher task force designed to catch the Punisher, and Punisher won't kill cops. He doesn't kill innocents, so he can't just go around killing everyone because the cops are in the way. Yeah, which is the, the and it's, it's just excellent. It's just really great. But the but the Punisher story, um, he doesn't have a family. He's already lost his family uh, in the backstory and everything. Um, and what happens is um, the Punisher, uh, a woman, uh, he saves a woman from people chasing her in an alley and stuff. And by save her, I mean he kills everyone. Um, and he doesn't care. He just lets her go. He's like, oh, I've just saved you. He doesn't care about saving her. He just cares about killing the people chasing her because they're criminals. And she convinces him to hear her out. And she tells him that basically she was in a sex traffic ring with Algerian, an Algerian one or an Albanian one or something. And she uh, was raped and everything. Like that. She had a baby and uh, she ran away. And they found the baby, and they killed the baby. They suffocated it. And the Punisher, and this is the first issue, and the Punisher goes, he has a voiceover narration. His voiceover narration goes like, I realized at that moment that a whole lot of people had to die. Uh, <laughs> That's the first issue. And then he just starts killing everyone. Um, and he, you see him 
do things he's never done before. And the Punisher himself makes points of, I have these people are hardened killers, and I can't just get away with this by just killing them. I have to do things I've never done before to get them. Because uh, the, the Gring is run by three people. Uh, there's the guy, the main guy, Christu, his wife, Vera, and then uh, his father... Or his father is his father, Christo. Anyway, his father. So his father is like an ex-soldier, KGB type guy, absolute monster of a man. The son is kind of a businessman. He just wants the business to work. He cares about money. He doesn't really care about anything else. And then the woman is the one who kind of makes it work because she's the one that knows how to make the women do what they need to do. And so he has to take down this organization and these three people. And at the same time, he kind of has to put an end to the traffic ring full stop. He doesn't want them coming. See, the Punisher, what I love about the Punisher is he's not interested in just, I'll kill this guy and that's it. So like, no, no, no. This is never happening again. <laughs> he has to make the point very clear. So the story sort of dimension- shows the dimensions of the Punisher and brings them to the, to the fore. And uh, I, I actually wrote down his dimensions, so I didn't have to remember. You did, yeah. Do you want to yeah, what did I say? Oh, there we go. Yeah, okay. So on the one hand, he is a savage killer. He's not necessarily brutal in the same way he's savage. Um, in that there's a real lack of... like. So Mills, he's brutal, but he's very clinical and very specific in how he does things. Punisher, he's he's methodical and everything, but he's savage in it. There's a sort of almost an instinct behind it, um, and uh, he's but he's got a, but despite this savagery and this inhumanity in him, he, he has a code of honor that he won't break. Okay, so this story brings that both out, and one in the way he kills them, and in the other sense that he won't kill the cops. Okay, so he's savage, but he won't kill cops. You know what I mean? The other thing is he's emotionless. Right, he doesn't care about anything. He's completely dead inside. And yet, he is driven by emotion. Um, there's uh, one bit where he says, since this began, there's been this dull blur in the back of my head, and I realize now it's hate. I haven't hated anyone like these people in quite some time, right? He's just driven by his hatred. There's also there's a fantastic moment where he goes to one of their outhouses in the middle of the woods, okay? And there's a pier that leads to like a lake and a river and everything. And they come back when he's not ready. So he runs out to the lake and hides under the pier. Okay, the wooden pier. And the guys are looking for him and they, they step up on the pier and he goes, now the smart thing is, wait it out. Just wait it out. Be patient. Come back. But I'm looking up at this guy standing right up in front of me and I'm underneath him and he doesn't know I'm there. I'm only human, and then he shoots the guy in the, in, the, in the groin, right? Kills him, gets up and starts shooting everyone else, and they all take cover, and the narration goes like, they don't panic, they take cover. It's at that moment I know I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, and he gets shot up, and he manages to just barely get away. But, like, so on the one hand, he's, like, emotionless, detached, and yet on the other hand, if there's a guy <laughs> that he can kill and just he can just kill. Like, he can't not kill someone. So, right, that's just how much he hates them and how like. Uh, so and then uh, finally, he has three dimensions, and finally, his last dimension is that 
the 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 voiceover narration at times gets almost poetic, and when it does, it becomes almost religious in its poetry. And he's kind of religious. This character he has a Christian background and so on. Okay, but at the same time, he hates God and he's very literal about things. So there's a great sort of uh, contradiction in the way he talks about what he's doing. So those are his three dimensions, and the story just builds all these dimensions out of him and expresses them. And uh, when I talk about his savagery, um, I, I mean his savagery. Um, so the three main villains, as I pointed out, that he kills, here's how he does it in order. The woman. The woman's in a high-rise skyscraper thing. He bursts in, and he throws... The, 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 the wall that leads has the, has the view of the city, Manhattan, is just floor-to-ceiling glass and he throws her against the glass and breaks her face against the glass she bleeds down it and he points out that the glass is shatterproof and it will never break but if you throw something heavy at it enough times you will bend the frame and he says he says to her you're the one who makes this work because you told them that you have to rape the women to break them and he tells her her crime, basically, which is that you, the men have to show the women that they can do whatever they want to them, and the women cannot ever be helped, saved, they can never stop it. That's how you break them, that they are totally and utterly powerless. And so he throws her against the glass again and again, and she starts begging for her life and says, we just wanted to do business here, that's all. And he says, so what? I'm stronger than you. I'm more powerful than you. I can do what I want. You can't stop me. Isn't that the point? And then he throws her so hard at the glass. The glass doesn't break, but as you point out, the frame the frame is bent, and the glass just falls off the side of the thing, and she plummets to her death. Right? And he that that's when he says, "I haven't hated anyone as much as I hate them in a long time." Okay? And it's just savage. Well, you know him throwing a woman against a window until the window pane breaks you know and and when he stops and he reflects for a moment on how much he hates the person that reflection what's brilliant about garth ennis is he stops it from being gratuitous by having the punisher reflect on it it's not it's not cool you know you don't go wow how exciting or anything like that it's like this is really dark savage stuff but then you what she did is so disgusting as well and then the punisher reflects on just how disgusting the whole situation is and he just doesn't care he just wants them gone do you know what i mean mm. that's the first of the three the next one <clears throat> the next one is the is the son the businessman he knocks him out he he poisons every he he uh he puts something in that outhouse where they all are. They're all held up because they know the punch is coming for them. He poisons the stew that they all drink from. That puts them all to so it puts them all to sleep. While they're asleep, he shotguns every single one of them apart from the the sun. He takes the sun out into the woods, and then you see it from the sun's point of view. He starts waking up, and all the Punisher says is, "It doesn't look good, but what you're in is survivable." And you go, "Okay." <laughs> And he opens his eyes, and he has opened his stomach and hung his intestines around a tree. 
and the guy is just his insides are on a tree okay attached to him but they're on a tree and he's like i can put you back you're gonna tell me everything (laughs) right that's the second one the third one wait i want to know how it ends (laughs) so he gives them the information yeah and then they have tea and uh uh and it's it's all good it's all fine Everyone's happy at the end, so it's, just, it's a happy ending. Okay. They laugh about it afterwards. Okay. <laughs> For tea and strumpets. Yeah, okay. that's, that's, that's what happens. Then the third one, the dad, the most vicious of them all, okay? So how does the Punisher deal with him? Well, he kills all his guys too, gets him, takes him to a place. Now, remember the corrupt cop I mentioned? Yeah. He gets the corrupt cop in there, okay? So it's just the two of them in a room, okay? The corrupt cop, him, and then the father. And he's tied the father to a chair. And he's got a camera and he sets up a camera and he says, so I know you're in bed with these guys. And he's like, no, I'm not. I like, yes, you are. Here's how this is going to work. You're going to do one thing for me and then that's it. You don't have to deal with me ever again. And he goes, okay, what you do? And the guy in this chair, the father is insulting the Punisher, says, untie me, fight me like a man, all that stuff. And the Punisher just doesn't care about this. He douses him with gasoline and sets him on fire and videotapes it. Then he goes to the camera, the Punisher, and he says, don't come here. Turns off the camera, give, and the guy's burning to death, gives the DVD to the corrupt cop, the address in Albania, and says, go to his bosses, you know, his, the rest of his crime organization, and give them this thing, and you're done with me. And of course, the guy gets killed delivering the message, okay? But the point of this thing is, they don't come to New York. Yeah. They never come back here. And he has to make that point. Yeah. So that is the Punisher. And you'll notice, like, how emotionless he gets. He's less emotion. He has less emotion in the last one than he does in the first one, right? Yeah. The first one, he's hateful. I mean, that it's a really sort of passionate killing of the woman. But by the time he kills the father, he doesn't... Like, the guy's trying to get emotion out of him by baiting him, by riling him up. Doesn't work. He's just going to burn him to death. He doesn't feel anything as he burns him to death. And he's just like, and you guys are never coming back. Like, this is never happening again, right? And you, the savagery gets worse and worse as it goes oh, on. So I, my, my question was related to that. Yes. Um, so with the um, with the Taken example, yes, we know it's going to be about... I was just going to say, it's really exhausting even just to go through it, right? <laughs> like, it's really... It's terrific. It's really harsh. It's just... There's even an element of social drama to Garth Ennis's work because in this one, there's a lot of stuff in there that I haven't gone through, which is about the slave trade and the yeah. fact that this thing even exists at all is just so upsetting. And Garth Ennis is kind of like going, "There isn't a real Punisher, but I kind of wish there was." Yeah. And I say, like, on the one hand, I'm glad there isn't because the Punisher's a monster, but at the same time, these are monsters. They really do exist. You know, I wish we had a good monster, I guess. Isn't, but like, isn't social drama a nice natural place um, for the Punisher to go? Because it's the same value. Yeah, it's it's just... Uh, Punisher's much more about action and social drama than it is crime. No, I realise that, but, but, I, but with, but with, with but Punisher, the social, there's an element of justice, isn't there? There is. There is definitely an element of justice. The same with Taken. There is an element of yeah. justice to it. Um, but it's it's more minuscule. But in, um, in Punisher, it's just that there's a... This is all taken never does any of the social drama stuff no at all but Punisher for example there's a scene in, in the in the slaver story where he goes to a woman who is a social worker and she's giving a presentation on the slavery 
and he goes to talk to her and she knows who he is because they've met once before and he says to, and she's the reason that the woman she looked after the woman and the woman's ran away from her yeah so he's gone to her and she says you know I leave stuff out of the presentation because it would be too much the things that people do and he says give me he asks for information like give me the things like what are you going to do and he's like don't pretend you don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> I'm going to do those things and you know it there'll be less it's like just give it to me and she's like okay it wrestles with her conscience the idea that as horrible as these people are she's sending this guy out to do it yeah. and she genuinely doesn't know what's the right thing to do or anything and she never wants to see the Punisher ever again as a result so it costs her a bit of her soul yeah to get the Punisher into the story as it were um, but the, the 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 comic is exciting as it is because it really does get exciting the way the Punisher talks about it and the social drama aspect of it and everything stops it from being just pages of violence. It actually makes it about something. Um, and it's, and like, just as I said, like talking about it, it's just so, it's so powerful that you can't really just, it's taken is nothing like that. Taken doesn't have that level of power to it. Taken's really exciting, and it touches on it, but the Punisher delves into that world. Yeah. Way, way more. So that's a key difference, just worth remembering. Yeah, like, Taken never promises to go this deep. Yeah. Uh, But Taken, for example, um, for my money, the Taken scene, the climax of Taken, would be the pulverizing the woman against the pain glass. Yeah. That would be the climax of Taken. That would be the if you wanted to show how brutal is Brian Mills, that's as far as Brian Mills can go. Yeah, the Punisher can go much further, and does. But um, you think that's as that's as far as Mills, Brian Mills will go? Yeah, I don't think Brian Mills could go further than that. Okay, I don't think the audience would accept that any further. No, either. no. Uh, and in fact, that scene might be impossible to film. Well, you could try. I mean, you could try. Um, but for me, when I think about the Punisher, when I look at the Daredevil Punisher that we have on Netflix, one of my problems is this is the Punisher I want because no one has seen this character. You mean the Garth Ennis one is the yeah, one you want? Yeah, that's the one I want. No yeah. one's seen it. Garth Ennis is so mature in his writing. Yeah. It's just, and but by the way, The Slavers is the most harrowing of them. Not all of them are that intensely harrowing. Yeah. But they are all brilliant in different ways. For example, there is a villain called the Barracuda. <laughs> and he's funny, right? And he's a great villain, but he's not like the Slaver's villains. Yeah. Um, there's some amazing hero at the mercy of the villain scenes in... I mean, the first arc, this is the mercy scene. The Punisher has been captured by the FBI, right? Because the FBI want him to hunt down and track Osama Bin Laden. Right? <laughs> he's been captured by the FBI. The Mafia... The Punisher, before he gets captured by the FBI, kills almost the entire American New York Mafia, single-handedly. How does he do it? It's brilliant. Um, He walks up to Don Cesare's 100th birthday party, shoots him in the face, walks out of the mansion, all the Mafia goons chase after him, and he has set up mines in the grass. And they blow up, and then he gets behind a machine gun and mows everyone down, and then kill and shoots the corpses to make sure no one's faking. Right? <laughs> then they have the funeral, 
and he goes to the funeral with a rocket launcher <laughs> and kills everyone at the funeral, right? So the few people left in the mafia get people from outside of New York to come in and get the Punisher. Punisher gets killed by the FBI. What's the mercy scene? The Punisher strapped to a chair by the FBI in the FBI safe house. The mafia guys come in, take out the FBI guys, walk into the room the Punisher's tied to a chair on, press a gun to his head to be continued. Then the next episode, the next issue shows you how he gets out of that. And it's excellent. Okay. This is great. <laughs> right? That's the that's the first arc he did, right? That's way more exciting than the yeah. one I just told you about, Okay, right? okay. So it's changes. So, it, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but addressing this brutal versus savage um, yes. uh, element. So I guess <clears throat> what I wanted to just pause on was the difference between the two because... When you talk about Brian Mills, and you, I, I think your fix for Taken, mm. the the first one is fantastic. Essentially, making him brutal in front of the his daughter, daughter yeah, seems the, like the 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 easiest play. Like that's an easy I, fix. If you if you put say that the 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 woman in charge of the slave ring, this this character from the Punisher thing, imagine she's in the finale, right? And she's 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 got the daughter there, and she's been trying to break the daughter through rape. Yeah. Punisher kills all the men, just the woman left, and then he beats the woman to death with his bare hands. In front of the daughter. Yeah. That to me, is the climax of Taken. That kind of thing is what yeah. you want to see. Yeah. Because that's what you've been promised. So, because you've used um, different words, brutal and savage. Yes. Uh, what is the um, uh, imagine that that brutal moment was in Taken what's the equivalent scene in the Punisher arc you described where is he at his most savage oh when he burns the guy to death when he burns the guy is he at his most savage because emotion is removed from it uh, it's it's because um, the savagery that's different um, why it's more savage is he's not doing anything almost he pours the guy on with gasoline then just sets him on fire do you know what I mean it, there's, there's, a, there's a lack of any sort of humanity to it at all right when you say someone's savage you say there's it's inferring that there's no humanity to them right whereas okay. brutality isn't about that brutality is about inflicting violence and breaking yeah you know so him smashing the woman against the wall is, is brutal yeah him cutting the intestines out is brutal there's a huge savagery behind them because they're so inhuman hmm but the final one, it's just it's just totally savage. Yeah. It's so completely inhuman. And when he does it to him, you know, the guy's saying, act like a man, and he won't. Mm. Right? He's not acting like a man. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. You I'm see? You. So, and he does that, and he just tells them, don't come here. Okay. And and I guess, uh, sorry, the thing that just I mean, it's, me. it's, a, it's a distinction. It's very semantic, the distinction. It's not a well, huge thing. I, no, I, I mean, you could use another I think word. It is, no, I, th- I think it is important because I was coming to this point, yeah. which is that um, to, to fully express the extreme of the, the brutality in the first one, he needs to do it, uh, sorry, the first example in yeah. Taken, he would need to do it in front of his daughter. Yeah. To fully express the sa- savagery in this story, he needs to do it in order to film it and make the guys not come back, right? So yes. the story has driven him to that point. Yeah, he has to make sure that they're not going to come back. Right. But so, In other words, Taken 2 can't happen. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> then you're not coming back because you know what I'll do to you. Yeah. So it, it's about highlighting the flaw in Taken more than anything, yeah. which is that the story doesn't never drives Brian Mills to the point where yes. he can be at his most brutal. Right. And the thing is, like, in other stories, like Iron Man or whatever, the character is shown to be at his most heroic or his most selfish. Yeah. Right? Taken chose brutality. Right. So that's so you're saying okay. So it's the story that they chose to tell. They they chose to go brutal. Yeah. If they don't want to go brutal, then don't do it. Right. Yeah. Um, But they want to show you the depths of his brutality, but then they don't. So that probably answers this question then, which I wrote down when you were talking about Taken. Um, Should all stories aim to hit that extremity, not brutality, but whatever they choose to? It depends on the length of time you have. It depends on the tone. It depends on a lot of things, but the idea is it's less about how it's less about go to the absolute maximum depths and more if you're going to promise the audience a certain thing, you have to deliver on it. So if you're going to say to the audience, look, this character, we're not going to show you that huge amount of depth in the character because it's a comedy or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but if in Taken they went, this is pretty serious, um, and halfway through, like like two thirds into the film. You see him torture a man to death, and then straight after that, he shoots an innocent woman in the arm. You're thinking, okay, what's next? Like, okay, you know, the, the next scene has got to push this even further. Yeah, and it doesn't, so it feels it, it feels lackluster. <clears throat> it's it's um it feels anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, whereas if you didn't want to go further than the torture scene, then the torture scene should probably be the climax. Right, and climax was the last thing I was going to ask. Yeah, um, it's that's the point. It's like if you're going to say we're going to go up to this point and no further, that's fine, but then you can't carry the story on. Yeah, because then if you're not going to go any further, then the audience wonders why you're still going on. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's which just, is why it works with Punisher because that's yeah. where he's at his most savage when he's burning the guy. Exactly, which is the climax. Inhuman. Yeah, which is the climax. He's yeah. at his most emotionless. He's at his most. How do they just? Uh, out of interest on the on the Garth Ennis run, how do they then pull back from that for the next uh, arc? Oh, you just start again. You you just start different over. villain, different rules, same dimension. He has the same dimensions, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they're focused on differently in different ways, um, and so um, the way he kills that character, or why he wants to kill that character, and okay, and so on. Um, and yeah, I I'm trying to remember what the next one is actually. Um, after Slavers, I think it might be Mother Russia. Is that the one um, where he he takes on a war dictator who threw babies into a pit? You know. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like I have to read this. It's really really good. Yeah. Um, but it's I've just never been dark. Okay. It's just dark. Here's how good it sounds. I've never been interested in the Punisher. <laughs> no, no, isn't it? Is never appealed to me. No. You just sold me on the Punisher. Oh yeah. Like that. It, it I was never incredible. interested in the Punisher until this series. <laughs> and I was just like, this is just brilliant. Um, okay then, if we pitch to the, if we go to the summary now, then uh, let's do old school summary. Uh, let's focus on one question, which is from all of this, what are we gonna? What do we need to take away for a writing? The events of your story don't just have to express and delineate the dimensions they have to also express the depth of those dimensions you can't just go this character is loving this character is angry 
and yet has uh, angry and calm or this character is uh, funny yet sad. It's not enough just to do that. You actually have to show how funny, how sad, how heroic, how selfish, how narcissistic, how humble um, over the course of the story. The longer the story, the more those dimensions will be tested and put to their depth. Um, because otherwise your character just becomes static. They just go, they're not being progressed. The more, you see, if the character is, say, say has a dimension, like in this case, brutality and loving, right? If the character is as brutal in the first scene as he is in the last scene, then there's no progression in your story because the pressure on the character isn't increasing. And so the character doesn't have to be more brutal. And then you start going, well, I'll make the character more brutal anyway. Well, now it seems gratuitous and under-motivated. So the pressures on the character should express the depths of their dimensions. So having dimensions is one thing. Then the story has to express those dimensions. And then as the story progresses, it expresses those dimensions in a greater intensity. That's how it works. Wowzers. Yeah. I have no further questions. Yeah. <laughs> Except... How can I get the Punisher? How can I get the Punisher? Probably on Amazon or Comixology or something. Huh. I have them. That seems like it. You I, have them? I do. Oh, well, I, I would have led with that. Oh, I... I yeah, but I, How do I get the Punisher? Here. Have them. Well, th- there's two, two p- problems with that. <laughs> Problem one, the people listening on the podcast can't really borrow my copies it's of the fine Punisher. I have a fix when I'm done with them you guys listening you can borrow them so just form that makes, I clear. think that makes perfect sense yeah okay okay the other problem <laughs> which stops me from lending them to you is that they are on my shelf in order unfortunately in front of my shelf are several long boxes of comics and junk and other <laughs> things that I don't want but haven't don't know how to get rid of them yet and so actually moving them and getting access to them is kind of impossible at the moment <laughs> it is it is a significant drawback i feel like this is really fleshing out your backstory for the listeners it's less a backstory and more a dump <laughs> it's just a dump story it's, it's part of your, one of your dimensions uh that i'm organized and chaotic yeah, well, that'll do how organized? Not very. How chaotic? Quite. <laughs> You're not all that organized. You're as organized as I can get you to be. That's what I'm saying. I'm oh, saying. I, see. <laughs> I, I say how organized? Not very. Not very. How chaotic? Quite. <laughs> like that. It's it's not such a perfectly balanced dimension as it is. More just every now and again, I get a bit, you know, <laughs> slobby. Um, okay. Let's finish on this then. Uh, <laughs> I ta- I tallied you out at. <laughs> You, you had four Liams and one Connery. <laughs> That's what I got you at. Um, I'm sure I did more Liam Neeson. You really didn't. You t- there was must it must have stuck with you. You had four. Well, what I was gonna say was, as your reward for only doing four Liams, pick, <laughs> let's end on one. Hold on. And we'll call it an even five. Okay. Okay. People at home, count the number of Liam Neeson impressions I did, and tell Luke he was wrong. Because I'm sure I did more than four. Do it. <laughs> you will count them. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I wanted to read the Punisher comic as Liam Neeson. <laughs> Jeez. No. Fine. I won't do that then. 
But if you guys would like me to... <laughs> then get in touch through the storytoolkit.wordpress.com. Bye.